All right, good morning. Good to see you today. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Had some, it was a little wet, and uh, I retained a little water weight right here over the weekend. I got so wet at the ball game, I just retained a little water weight here around my waist. Maybe, maybe you went to the, wa- the ball game and retained a little water around your waist as well. Because it wasn't because I ate too much. It was, it was sitting out in that ball game getting, getting wet. Right, James? Yeah, sure. It's so good to see you. And I do sincerely hope and pray that you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, one thing I, I failed to say last week, and I just want to take an opportunity to say it now, is how grateful and thankful I am to God for you, for the church here in Cherokee, Texas. Um, what a special place we are privileged to live in, a special people, a community that we're allowed to live in by God's grace. And it's just so good to be a part of this. We give God all the thanks and all the praise and all the glory. If you're visiting with us and you haven't had a chance to before, there's a QR code in the bulletin. You can scan that. And, and it does work. I promise you it works. We had somebody do it a few weeks ago, and it came through just like no problem. So if you're able to, to scan the QR code, it'll bring up a web page. Just scroll down to the bottom. You can fill out a Vista card there. It's on the screen if you're following us online. A few announcements. Um, tonight... Yay. It's one of the the, uh, services I look forward to every year. And I've heard a number of people say they always look forward to the hanging of the greens. And if you're unfamiliar with what that is, uh, it is a time where we decorate our sanctuary. We sing Christmas carols and we discuss the significance of the decorations. And we'll start out and the room will look just like this. And when we're done, the Christmas tree will be decorated. There'll be garland in the windows and be wreaths on the wall. And and it'll, it'll look like Christmas. And I love it, and it's a tradition here, and so we will do that tonight at 6.30. And after, uh, we'll have some refreshments, just in case you didn't eat enough over the weekend. Um, we'll have, have that. Um, this Wednesday, there will be children's uh, Christmas program practice. There will be a meal prior to that and the fellowship hall for the kiddos and the workers. But there will be six, uh, 6.15 children's Christmas program practice. There will be no prayer meeting this week. Uh, and next, uh, because on the 7th, we will have uh, the children's Christmas program. Also, the, the Central Kids Silent Auction Fundraiser. I want to read something uh, that's in addition to what you find in your bulletin. Uh, please put next week's Central Kids Silent Auction and Spaghetti Lunch on the menu. The auction will begin Saturday from 4 to 6. Come preview the items and enjoy wassail and cookies. Bidding will continue until lunch is finished on Sunday. Remember, this is an auction, so be ready to bid. That sure sounded a lot like gambling. Can we do that in church? Anyway, no, we please uh, support that. Um, You know, it goes to a very good cause. Um, Also, if you may have looked on the board um, related to our Santa's helper announcement in the bulletin, uh, we're going to provide Christmas assistance for 11 children this year. And the wish list is posted on the bulletin board. They're tacked up there. So if you'd like to grab one of those, and shop, you're, able, you're welcome to do that. If you want to donate to that ministry, you can do that. Uh, if you want to shop but you just can't afford to, um, you can get reimbursed. Make sure you follow the instructions in the bulletin. Wrap the items separately. If you're interested in helping to wrap, uh, you can do that. But just need to have everything ready by December 12th, so please, please do that. 
Also, if you're interested in helping uh, to our Advent observances, we'll, we're starting that this morning, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Uh, we need candle lighters. So if you're interested in doing that, that's all you'll have to do is light a candle. So no reading required, no standing up in front of people and, and voice cracking and things like that. So we just need candle lighters. Uh, so please, please um, sign up for that if that's interesting to you. And then uh, our Christmas program for the kids, I mentioned, is December 7th. Uh, are there any other announcements need to be made? Anyone? Anyone? All right. Well, um, Brenda Crawford is... Brenda and Todd are two of the newest members of our church, and Brenda's going to come forward, and she's going to light our candle this morning while we do a responsive reading. Um, while she's coming up here, just a reminder of what Advent is all about. Advent... Uh, we, we look back in Advent to Christ's first coming when he was a, a baby, born in Bethlehem. And, and so we look back, and then we also look forward. And when we look forward, we, we look forward to Christ's second coming. And we, we're reminded uh, in the middle of it that uh, we're, we're a people kind of on the way. Uh, we're a people who are not quite home yet. And so, that being the case, we, um, hey, you got to push, got it, okay, perfect, thank you, ma'am. So, we're looking backward to Christ's first birth, uh, his first coming, we're looking forward to his second coming, and in the meantime, we strengthen ourselves by looking back at the work of God in the past, in Christ, and looking forward to what He's going to continue to do in our lives as we await Christ's second coming. So there's going to be a few slides in this responsive reading where it says, Congregation, we'll all read that together. Uh, otherwise, I'll be taking the lead reading. So but here we go. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. Until the Son of God appear. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Let's stand and worship together.
page 15, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. that time of year when we give to international missions, the Lottie Moon uh, missions offering. The theme of this um, year's uh, offering and prayer time is reaching the nations together. You notice on the screen, and I want to remind us of this, 100% of your gifts go to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to enable gospel transformation among the unreached. You may wonder, how is that possible? Well, when we give um, a portion of our church's undesignated receipts, we send them to the state of Texas, 45% of what is given to the state of Texas, Southern Baptist Texas Convention stays in state, 55% goes on to the national organization, Southern Baptist Convention, and out of that, uh, combined, and that's called cooperative program giving, and out of all the churches that participate in cooperative program, then they pay for the ongoing operations of the International Mission Board so that 100% of all that we give and other churches give goes to enable gospel transformation among the unreached. There is a $196 million national goal. And and last year, uh, Lottie Moon giving was surpassed, and we praise God for that. Our church's goal this year is $6,500. Just to let you know what our uh, money goes toward. In 2021, there were 3,650 missionaries supported with comprehensive care. 592,408 people heard the gospel. 22,744 new churches. 176,795 new believers. 107,701 baptisms. 93 new people groups. 
When they say new people groups, they're talking about people that they have not reached yet. New people groups and places engaged. And 182,112 people received leadership training. So once again, as we are always do with our missions uh, emphases, uh, we're going to let you see how lives are transformed through what our giving does on the field. And this is going to introduce us to our time of, uh, of emphasis on Lottie Moon. Uh, one final thing to share with you is starting next Sunday morning, from the 4th to the 11th of December, we will have our, our week of prayer for international missions. On that note, before we actually start the video, uh, we, we do have one missionary that came home. Mary Catherine, we're glad you're home. And uh, we look forward to hearing what God did um, on your trip to Kenya. But uh, let's turn our attention to the screen, and we will watch a short video on um, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We don't see points on a map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the Great Multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem, lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard-to-reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief. And we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. We don't see places on a map. We see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission. This is your mission. And we are reaching the nations you would take your copy of Joe. God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only 
that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even when ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is not seen is not, sorry, hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly, eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We could have our ushers come forward. Um, that scripture that, that Jen just read, um, you notice that the theme of that section was about, about hope. Um, and do we have ushers coming forward to receive the offering? Um, we are lighting the, we lit the candle of hope this morning. Um, and each of the candles has a particular um, theme to it. Let's, let's bow for a word of prayer and we'll receive the offering and we'll sing our final song. Father, we are grateful, Lord, for how you continue to bless us over and over and over. Out of the overflow of what you have, you pour into our laps and and our laps just overflow. And out of gratefulness for who you are and what you've done, we give a small portion back to you to say thank you and we love you and we worship you and you're worthy of all praise and all glory. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.
If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back of the Bible, find page 130, and you will be at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're embarking on an Advent sermon series called, His Name Shall Be Called, and That'll make more sense in just a moment. You may have already made sense of it since the verse from which this particular sermon series comes has already been read in our service. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. It says 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 through 31 and this is God's Word. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is indeed a wonderful counselor. He is worthy of that name, wonderful counselor, the one who 
You have put forth, Father, as wisdom from above, that those who look upon the, the cross, the empty tomb, and whose hearts are stirred by the Holy Spirit, they count themselves called, chosen, those who are being saved. Father, all of it as was just sung by grace, not by merit. So we praise you and we thank you, Father. So we consider your wisdom. Open our hearts that we might receive and be changed. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As I mentioned just a moment ago, the the, the sermon series comes from this verse. For 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 to us, a child is born, a son is given, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the title of the series is His Name Shall Be Called, and you'll see that we take one of these uh, attributes, these names given to, and we know who this is talking about, even though this was written 400 years earlier, this is talking about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. Next week, we'll consider Christ as mighty God and the following everlasting Father and then the following Prince of Peace. And on Christmas Day, we'll look at the name that is above all names where the angel tells Mary, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save people from their sins. When we consider Christ as wonderful counselor, we should first uh, take an account of what do these words mean? Wonderful. What does wonderful mean? Well, if you do a word study on it, you find that it means, you probably can can guess this, it's of an extraordinary nature. But what makes this um, more of a biblical definition is that this extraordinary nature, wonderful, makes it mysterious or difficult to understand. Recall people in the Old Testament, even in the New, had a hard time understanding. Peter even writes about it. Or the prophets, they're they're writing about Christ and and, and they they see Him in the shadows. And they they don't know fully, when is this going to happen? When is this going to take place? But Christ is wonderful. Not that He is mysterious or difficult to understand, but how God chose to reveal His wisdom in Christ. People just couldn't pick it up according to worldly wisdom. Christ is also the counselor. Someone who gives advice in particular about problems. And in this particular verse in Isaiah, it has this sense of of a king who can devise military strategy. Someone who knows the right plan to make. So as we consider Christ as wonderful counselor, this message, and you can see from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31, it's going to revolve around the wisdom of God revealed in Christ. Christ is our wonderful counselor. I want to pose a question to you. Is the Lord a wonderful counselor? I think this is a good way to, to, to plug through this text Because we're considering here this question, is the Lord a wonderful counselor? Has God indeed put His His wisdom on display in Christ Jesus? Well, as you look at the text, the answer to this question, it, it all depends on whom you ask. Now, there are two groups of people in the text. Two groups of people in the text. 
There are Jews, Gentiles, and Greeks. And I lump them all together because it's, it's a way, biblically, of speaking of the whole world. Jews, we understand, this is referring to God's chosen people. Greeks, Gentiles, that's referring to, to non-Jews. So that's one group of people that is in the text, all lumped together, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks. It's a way of speaking around about the whole world. But there's another group in this text, and that group is Christians, those who believe. So let's first ask the first group this question. Is the Lord the wonderful counselor? Let's ask these worldly counselors. Well, first of all, let's ask the question, who are they? Who are these worldly counselors that we're talking about? Now, broadly speaking, we're talking about unbelieving Jews and Gentiles, also in the text referred to as Greeks. So these worldly counselors in this text, they're, they're unbelieving Jews and Gentiles that, that live in Paul's day. We, we see verse 22 mentions the Jews. Verse 23 mentions the Jews. Verses 23 to 24, you see reference to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. So broadly speaking, unbelieving Jews and Gentiles, these are who the worldly counselors are. But in particular, they're the elites of their respective groups. And, and when I say elites or, or when I talk about these people, I often wish having read this numbers of times, that there could be uh, quotation marks around a lot of these words um, when Paul means them sarcastically. For instance, in verse 19, uh, these worldly counselors, they're also known as the wise or the discerning. In verse 26, look there. Uh, they're wise according to worldly standards. Now, of course, I'm, I'm flipping that, that passage around because... He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards as opposed to these worldly counselors who are wise according to worldly standards. And in particular, Paul mentions in verse 20, these elites, these wise according to worldly standards. He refers to one group, a Jewish group. He says, where is the scribe? Now, the scribe was an expert in the law of Moses. He also mentions in verse 20, where is the debater of this age? This would have been someone like Paul encountered Acts chapter 17 at Mars Hill where people came together and, and they just wanted to talk about new philosophy, new things. They were the debaters of this age. These worldly counselors, verse 26 tells us, they're also the powerful Again, Paul, not many of you were powerful as opposed to these worldly counselors. Not many of you were, verse 27, the strong. God chose what is weak in the world, talking about the Christians, to shame the strong, these worldly counselors. There are also people of noble birth. Look at verse 26 again. Not many of you were of noble birth as opposed to these worldly counselors. Verse 28, that's kind of a, a difficult um, way to, to... The way it is translated in the ESV where it says, God chose even the things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. That phrase, things that are not, it actually... Uh, things that are, uh, excuse me, it actually means things that are viewed as something. 
Christians, they're just low lives. They're just nothing. But these people, on the other hand, these worldly counselors, like nowadays it would be the scientists, it would be the politicians. These are the worldly counselors. Now they're something, but these Christians, no. They're not anything. To sum this up, who are these worldly counselors? They are the best of the wisdom of the day. If you wanted to find out whether or not Christ Jesus was someone to to, to truly look at, you would turn to these people. Because their opinions are the most valuable in the public arena. And because of that, I think Paul insinuates in verse 29, he says in verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I get uh, from that that Paul's saying these worldly counselors, because they are so stuck on themselves, they're, they're high-born, they're powerful, they're learned, that they boast in themselves. So having established who these worldly counselors are, let's ask them the question. Is the Lord a wonderful counselor? Well, what is their answer? Their answer is an, an unequivocal no. Look at verse 18. It says, For the word of the cross, the message of the cross, is folly to those who are perishing. Folly here means that these worldly counselors look at the cross and say, For someone to believe that a man dying on a cross to save them from their sins is wildly mistaken and is founded on foolishness. The the exact Greek word is the word from which we get the word moron. These people who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, they are nothing but morons. They They have staked their life on foolishness. Now how do I get that from the text? Look at verse 22. It says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. When it says that Jews demand signs, you you recall there were a number of times in Jesus' ministry that they asked him to do a sign. Teacher, do a sign for us so that we, we know you're truly who you say you are. And there are people who were used to signs. I mean, they had, in the history of the Jewish people, you've got Noah and the ark and the flood. You've got... Uh, you've got Moses and the staff and putting his hand inside his cloak, bringing it out, it's leprous. You've got the parting of the Red Sea. You've got um, Joshua and Jericho. I mean, just numerous ways that God has shown himself to be wonderful, powerful, miraculous. That's what the Jews wanted out of Jesus. You show us something and then we'll believe. The Greeks, on the other hand, they seek wisdom. They're looking for someone who, in in their realm of wisdom, can come alongside and can keep up with them. Somebody who really understands philosophy and wisdom. A wise counselor. Someone who will come on and who will tickle our ears with new wisdom. Now that's, that's who we're looking for. And so, with those two perspectives in mind, it's no wonder that they look at the message of the cross, these worldly counselors, and they go, that's foolishness, that's complete folly. It's moronic to believe that. Verse 23 says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews. A stumbling block to Jews. That word actually is the word from which we get our English word scandal. 
It's the word scandalon. It's a stumbling block, a stone of stumbling. It's mentioned in Psalm 110. It's mentioned in in 1 Peter a couple of times about how the stone the builders rejected has become the the cornerstone, a, a stone of stumbling. So the Jews look at Christ, they stumble over him. No way that this man could be the promised Messiah. Gentiles, again, look at, and, and he's, this is pure folly. Now, you may, be, may, may not be able to, to see the image on the left, but the image on the right is what was carved into stone in a cave. If you notice, in the middle, toward the top, there is a man with a, with a donkey's head, with a donkey's head for a head. And then the person down below has got his hand raised up as if he's worshiping. And it says, Alexamenos worships his God. Now, what do we gain from this? That what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 1 is not localized. People looked, the common people, those who weren't Christians, the unbelieving, the worldly counselors, and those who were under their sway, they looked at Christ and said, that's what we see. We see a donkey with a human body on the cross. Utter, utter foolishness. Well, so we understand their answer, but how does their answer affect them? It's important that we consider this. Why? Because there's only one of two ways to look at Christ. That's it. He's either the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Or... He's a fake. He's a fraud. And it is complete folly to put your trust and your faith in someone like him. But Paul describes these worldly counselors because they don't believe that Christ is who he says he is. That answer, that belief has repercussions. It has consequences. Paul says in verse 1, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. That is a a present middle passive participle. What does that mean, Pastor? It literally means they are destroying themselves. They're not only being destroyed, but they're destroying themselves. They look at the cross, they see folly, and because they don't believe, they destroy themselves. And what they hold up is wisdom. Look at what verse 19 says. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Through the message of the cross, God has destroyed the wisdom of the worldly counselors and all their discernment He has thwarted. He has, in verse 20, made foolish the wisdom that they purport, the wisdom of the world. In fact, the the, the wisdom that, that they hold to, verse 21, it doesn't lead them to know God. Verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Not their wisdom anyway. Verses 27 and 28, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Those who are the learned, the worldly counselors, they're shamed. It mentions that not once, not twice, but, but three times. That, that, or, or, twice, that, that God shames the wise, He shames the strong. Verse 28, He chooses what's low and despised in the world 
to bring to nothing the things that are so-called somethings. In verse 29, it says, So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God in Christ has taken away any reason for these worldly counselors to boast in their wisdom. They have stumbled in their answer to the question, is the Lord a wonderful counselor? They have stumbled over the cornerstone. Well, let's ask the other group. Let's ask what the text describes as those who are called. Who who is this group? Well, broadly speaking, we're talking about Christians, obviously. But verse 18 gives them another name. To us who are being saved. Verse 21. Those, to God says, or Paul says, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who, are, who believe. Verse 24. This group, they're, they're the called, but to those who are called. Verse 26, uh, we get more of a, a sense of who they were in society. They're, verse 26, not wise according to worldly standards. They're, they're not powerful. They're not of noble birth. Verse 27, they're what people consider foolish in the world. They're, they're weak. Verse 28, they're low and despised in the world. Verse 30, I'm sorry, verse verse 28. um, They are the, the things that, verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, the things that are literally viewed as nothing. In the world's eyes. That's who Paul's talking about. These, this second group of people in the text. They are, verse 30, in Christ Jesus. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. So let's ask them the question. Is Jesus Christ, is the Lord the wonderful counselor? Well, what would their answer be? Notice that there, there's such a contrast In this text. Verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. They don't look at the cross and see folly. They look at the cross and they see the power of God. What the world calls foolish. Look again at verse 21. It pleased God through the folly. Again. Quotation marks. Through the folly, because that's what the world believes. Through the folly of what we preach, Christ crucified, to save those who believe. Their answer is to, we're, we're going to see, one, the power of God, and we're going to believe in what the world calls folly. And look at how it results for them. Christ becomes to them, verse 24, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Remember what name we're considering this morning? Wonderful Counselor. I thought that lined up. It's like God wrote the Bible or something. The power of God, talking about His wonder 
in Christ and the wisdom of God talking about His wise counsel. So in Christ we do. Yes, indeed, praise God, we have a wonderful counselor. God has shown, and this is, this is Paul being sarcastic, God's foolishness. There is no foolishness in God. But what the, what the world looks at and sees as foolishness, Paul says that is wiser than any human wisdom could ever come up with. The world looks at what, at, at, at what they consider to be God's weakness in that this Messiah who is supposed to come and, and lead his king winds up on the cross dead and in a tomb. He didn't stay dead though. What God, what the world viewed as weakness, God showed to be stronger than any human strength. So for those who are called, who look at the cross and don't see folly, but instead see the power of God and the wisdom of God, how does their answer affect them? Look at verse 30. And because of Him, you are in Christ, who became to us... Wisdom from God. In other words, Christ is our wonderful counselor. And not only that, believing in Christ, that He is who He says He is, brings to the believer righteousness. A righteous standing before God. Christ's righteousness applied to our account so that when God looks upon us, He sees the wisdom, of it, the, the, the righteousness of His perfect Son. Christ is to the believer sanctification, been set apart for God, made holy. And Christ is for the believer redemption, the one who broke the bonds of the slavery of sin and set us free. How does their answer affect them? They're a free people. In fact, they would say, we're not free yet, but as verse 18 says, we're being saved. No doubt about it. I'm different. Christ became to me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. I'm not done yet, but I am being saved. You know, when you have that feeling of, I am being saved. God is not done with me yet. That is life-changing. That's life-changing. We've talked about the two people in the text, but I think we ought to bounce this question back to us. Because this question is so important. What about you? Is Christ the Lord, the wonderful counselor to you? Well, again, there's only two options both in the sermon text and in reality. Christ, the message of the cross, is either folly to you or it's wisdom to you. It's either the power of God or the weakness of God. You are either in Christ or you are separated from Christ. You are either boasting in the wisdom of this world or you are boasting in the Lord. You are either perishing apart from Christ, destroying yourself, or you are being saved through Christ. Christ is to you either a stumbling block or he is a cornerstone. It's the only two options. You cannot say, as many people do, and I, I, you pro- we probably all know someone like this. Jesus is a great teacher. He's a great moral example. That option isn't in the text. It's not there. 
He either is crucified, risen, ascended, Lord of all, or he's a fake and a fraud. Now, I believe that um, the vast majority of us, if not all of us, in this room are Christians. So let's take this question. Is the Lord your wonderful counselor and, and point it a little bit different direction? Is Christ your wisdom? Is He your wisdom? You know, it's, it's so easy to once you become a Christian... You know that your eternal destiny is settled. But we, we live at times more like the world. The world will too often set the agenda in the life of a Christian. We look more to the wisdom of the world instead of Christ as our wisdom. Is, is Christ the source of your boasting? Do you seek his wise counsel in your life? Because in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And Christ, before he left, he told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a counselor to be with you. And he has. He's given us a counselor to be with us. And in this season of Advent, again, we're looking back and we're looking forward. We're looking back at the work of God in Christ so that as we look forward to His second coming, we trust in God to preserve us until His second coming. And we need to keep before us, as we consider how to live in this day and age, the examples of God's work, His wise counsel, His power and wisdom in the Bible. Because it's crucial for us as Christians. God told Noah, build an ark. God, what? Build an ark. No, build an ark. Build a boat. I'm sending a great flood. Okay, Lord. You're the all-wise one. You're my counselor. I'm going to follow what you say. Moses, the people want to turn around and go back to, the, to, to Egypt, but you go straight ahead to the Red Sea and you hold your staff up, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. Lord, are you sure? No, nah, it's not in the text. I know that. But you just consider, if you were in Moses' spot, Lord, I, I okay. This is, you're, the, you're, you're my wisdom. You're my counselor. Joshua, take the people of Israel and march around Jericho once a day for six days. And on the last one, march around seven times and the walls are going to fall down. What? When you first consider it, it does not sound like wisdom at all. And that's why it's so easy to discard. Love your neighbor as yourself. But God, that's hard. It's wisdom from on high. He is our wonderful counselor. Forgive those who have wronged you in the same way that God has forgiven you. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. I could go on and on. This is wisdom from the counselor on high. And so all of this to say, is, is he truly our wisdom? 
And the more we lean into his wisdom, as the days progress, and and who knows what some of you young Christians may see before the Lord either returns or calls you home. And the more you lean upon his wisdom, the more you'll be prepared for what's to come. And the more you'll, you'll shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation pointing to the Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our wonderful counselor, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that in him, you put your wisdom on display. We thank you, Father, that not only in him did you put your wisdom on display, but he is wise. He is wisdom. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's left for us his word, a counselor to come and live in us that we might walk in his wisdom just like Solomon talks about in Proverbs that we walk in the way of the Lord help us to be that kind of people Lord help us to to shun worldly wisdom to seek the wisdom of the Lord to put it into practice and to shine like stars for your glory in Christ's name amen let's stand We're going to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If there's any decision you need to make, I encourage you to do it at this time. That song is so true and how it ties into what we were just talking about. If you want to see the, the, the world's wisdom just fade, look at Christ. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. The more He seems beautiful to you, the more your heart is drawn to Him, the more worldly wisdom will, will like the song says, the things of this earth will grow faintly dim in the light of His glory and grace. Just a few updates from our prayer list. Actually, I don't really have any updates unless any of you have updates for the prayer list. Is there any news on Addie? Okay. She had treatments again last Wednesday. Okay. Um, again, I'm not aware really of, of any updates that, unless some of you want to pass any updates along about uh, anyone that you know on the prayer list that. That's Jennifer Stone. Yes. She had surgery on Wednesday. She went home on Thursday. Okay. They 
Okay. So they had surgery and we're hoping to remove, remove cancer that she was dealing with. So thank you for that update. Anybody else? Um, I need to add Clara Bristol Romero to the prayer list. She's a little baby girl that was born this week, six weeks early. Um, and she's, she's still in the hospital, will be for a while. But pray for her parents, John and Bianca Romero, and um, please pray for a little girl. She's, she's, okay. Her lungs aren't ready yet, and she's still okay. um, in the NICU, so please. Okay. Okay, so it's Jared's niece. Okay. All right, and, and if I understand right, I think we can take Walker Williams off the list. That was a, uh, it was Nell's, um, somebody help me. I've, nephew's son. Okay. And he was born with a cord wrapped around his neck. He got to come home, and things are going really well for that young man. So prayed for him, and praise God for answers to prayer. Take Jared off. Okay. Now, Jared was had shingles on his right eye. It looked awful. Or at least that's the story I got. I don't know. I do marriage counseling if y'all need it. Anyone else got an update? Okay, great. Take Sterling Barker. That's uh, Kyler's special friend. Um, take him off the list. Praise the Lord for that. Anyone else? This is good. Yes, sir. Let's stand. We'll have a word of closing prayer. We'll say the Great Commission together and we will be dismissed. Father God, indeed, we are grateful for how you answer prayer. We're thankful for answers to prayer for Sterling, for Walker Williams, uh, for Jared, uh, that, Lord, you have shown once again your wonderful power, that you are indeed the wonderful counselor. Lord, we lift up the the baby that was mentioned and ask God for uh, your uh, sustaining power that child's life, and I pray for a peace and comfort for the family. Give them a sense of your presence that they know that you're with them. Father, bring the baby to uh, complete health, and we just uh, look forward to celebrating that, Father, and we thank you and we praise you. Uh, Lord, as we go from here, remind us of, of who we are in Christ and the, the task that you've given each one of us. We pray it all in the name of Christ. Amen. Say the Great Commission together. Jesus came and said to them, Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me.